0: a series the last couple of weeks entitled Life in the Middle. And what we've been doing is digging up precious gems of truth that are serving to encourage our faith and provide us clarity as to what it will take for us to go from this place called here to a place called there. Now I want you to think about that because each and every one of us can relate to this. Here is the place where you've been. Here is the place where you may currently be. And there is that place that you aspire to. It's that place of better tomorrows. It's that place of life with purpose. It's that place where you're walking in God's call. It's that place where you're growing and you're maturing and you're adding to lives and you're being added to daily. It's that place that Jesus calls life in abundance. And one thing that we know to be true here at Church at the Bridge and we've been learning through this series is that what we do in between here and there matters. Well, I pray you're hearing the word of God. What we do between here and there matters. What we do in the middle, as a matter of fact, is what makes all the difference. And so here at Church at the Bridge, we're pressing towards God's very best by embarking on the next leg of our race. It's a race to expand our territory In an effort to help the lost be found, to help the broken to be made whole, to help communities uh, operate in unity, to help those living with emptiness to be filled and to continue to build and serve the body of Christ. Now that's great news. And it's the reason why we're undertaking our upcoming building campaign. It's the reason why we're simultaneously continuing to advance our efforts to serve people with the gospel through practical community efforts and intentional evangelism. By the way, we just picked up the bus this past week. Isn't that good? We picked it up, and let me tell you, when we picked it up... um, Uh, When I got in the bus, there was more stuff than what we anticipated was going to be in there. We had all the equipment, but he gave us a whole bunch of new stuff. And he says, I know you got a popcorn machine, but I'm going to give you a new popcorn machine, another one for the cart. So we're already in the process. We're working with the Department of Health, and there's various hoops that we got to go through. But it's well on the way. So thank you for your faithfulness, and thank God for what he's doing. Now, listen... In the midst of the vision that we have here at Church at the Bridge, Bridge, one thing that we can all acknowledge is this. We don't have a small vision. We don't believe we're called to small things. Now, I'm not knocking anything because God rejoices in all small beginnings. But we believe that God has called us to do something exponentially great, to impact a city and a region and beyond. And one of the questions that we will all wrestle with when we consider that Is this, is it possible? Is it possible? It's a natural response to the call of God. Listen, if you've ever been in a position where God is showing you anything that He's commanding you, that He's calling you to, you're gonna find yourself confronted with that question Is it possible? And here's the thing we must reconcile in our hearts the answer to that question. By going deeper than what we are asking ourselves in that moment. See, to settle this question in our hearts, we must dig to the very core of this question and what it's really all about. When you find yourself confronted with something God is calling you to, the question, is it possible, isn't really what you're asking. What you and I are asking in that moment, what we're wrestling with is, do I believe that it is possible with God? That's what we're really asking. Is this possible with God? Is it possible that I play a part in this? Is it possible that I'm called? So today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, it's possible. Say that with me, it's possible. Oh, God, wait! we need to spike the coffee for second service. Let's try that again. Say this with me, it's possible. It's possible. possible. Now, I pray that you are beginning to really consider the weight of your words, that they mean something in your lives. On December seventeenth, nineteen 1903, at 1035 a.m., a young man by the name of Orville Wright secured his place in history along with his brother by executing the first powered and sustained flight from level ground. For 12 12 gravity-defying seconds, he flew 120 feet along the dunes of the outer banks of North Carolina, In the field of aviation, this historic event represents a beginning. But for the Wright brothers, it was the end of a long and tedious journey. A journey that was initiated by a dream common to every little boy. It's the desire to fly. But what most children abandon to the domain of fantasy, the Wright brothers seized upon as a potential reality. They believed they might fly. More than that, they believed they must fly. Wilbur described the birth of their dream this way. Our personal interest in it, in aviation, dates from our childhood days. Late in autumn of 1878, our father came home one day with some object partly concealed in his hands. And before we could see what it was, he tossed it into the air. Instead of falling to the ground as we expected, it flew across the room until it struck the ceiling where it fluttered a little while longer and finally sank to the floor. It was a little toy, a toy that originated in France that modeled what we know today as a helicopter. And so these guys didn't understand what it was. They'd never seen it, so they thought it was a bat. But it was a light frame of cork and bamboo covered with paper which formed two screws driven in opposite directions by rubber bands under torsion. A toy so delicate would not last long in the, in the hands of small boys. But its memory was abiding. See, this childhood experience sparked in these boys an insatiable desire to fly. The only thing they lacked was a means. And so they immediately went to work, listen closely, removing the obstacles that stood between them and their dream. They began to build their own helicopters. In doing so, they stumbled upon the principles of physics that would pave the way to their first successful manned flight. In short, they began to engineer the vision that was born within them the day that they saw this object. And they took the necessary steps to ensure that what they believed could and would be. Isn't that interesting? This story illustrates the power that exists and is available unto all mankind with God. It's the ability to believe, to grasp, to take a hold of the vision that God provides you that overrides your reason and the laws and limits that you've learned to trust apart from God. The issue these boys faced wasn't the law of gravity that dictated that their flight was impossible. The issue that these boys faced was what they did not know in that there was a law greater than the law of gravity. It's called the law of lift. And according to the law of lift, it simply says this in in layman's terms. You need more power that can exceed the pull of gravity in order to fly. You know, the same is true about anything that God calls us to. The dream that God is giving you for your family, the dream that God is giving you for your marriage, that dream for your business, the dream to impact, to make a difference in this world, the dream that God has given us at Church at the Bridge, all these things operate according to a law greater than the rational mind, than man's reason. It's the law of faith. It's faith. See, faith is not believing that God can do what you think. Faith is believing that God can do what he says. What he says. It's what he says. Whenever you look to God's word, I guarantee you, it gives you promises that blow your mind. The scripture says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered the hearts of men, the things that God has in store for those who love him. God's got a great plan for you. God's got a great plan for us here at church at the bridge, but listen closely. We can't limit it by dumbing it down to reason. Let me tell you some scriptures that we've been standing on since we started seven years ago. Isaiah 54 verses 1 through 3 says this, sing O barren. You who have not born, you who have not seen what God says that will come to pass yet. He says, Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations. Listen to this. And make the desolate cities inhabited. We believe that with all our heart. Isaiah 42 verses 6 and 7 says, I... The Lord have called you in righteousness and will uphold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people as a light to the gentiles to open blind eyes and to bring out prisoners from the prison those who sit in darkness from the prison house we believe that with all our heart ezekiel 37 5 and 6 says thus says the lord to these bones surely i will cause your cause breath to enter into you and you shall live I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We don't believe that God has just called us to be in relationship with him. We believe that God has called us to express the manifest power of God and to make God real in the lives of people who question and yet have come to know him. And so as I was meditating on these verses, it became apparent to me that that doubt is the result when we restrict our belief to the realm of what we see and what we say. But you see, faith in God is the one thing that pulls us out of the realm of the impossible and translates us into the realm of what God says it's possible. Listen, in order to override gravity, you need to employ belief in a greater law, which then results in the ability to fly. You got to actually get on that plane and trust that that plane can do and defy gravity. And the moment you do, you'll fly. It's the same thing with faith. You know, in the scriptures, we have the biblical account of a mother who faced an impossibility that became possible through the life of a young woman named Mary. Mary, this young mother, she wasn't even a mother yet, but God called her mother. Mary was a virgin at this time to be married to a man named Joseph. And it stands to reason, like all moms, that she was looking forward to what lay ahead for her as a wife, as a mother, and for the life that they would build together, her and Joseph. And one night, the angel Gabriel, the scriptures record, appeared to her with a message from God that seemingly turned what she thought would be possible into what seemed impossible. Let me tell you something. When God begins to speak to your heart, it will always seem impossible. I'm gonna tell you why. Because God is too big to fit into our small rational thinking. It's always gonna be bigger. It's always gonna challenge you. It's always gonna stretch us. But we must not resist that stretch because in that we make room for what God wants to do in us and through us. God wants to grow us. Amen? And so this message not only seemed impossible to Mary, it was irrational. It defied all understanding known to man. She was to give birth to the Savior of the world. And it would happen not just without Joseph. But there would be no man in the midst of that picture. See, the scripture says that in this message, the angel told her, you will conceive this child by way of the Holy Spirit. It will be a completely inactive. Of God And the scriptures record that upon this encounter, Mary responded this way, she was afraid, she was troubled, she was in terror and turmoil... And that she tried to discern what this all meant. That word discern there in the original language uh, lends itself to, to mean to dispute, to revolve in one's mind. In other words, Mary was wrestling with this truth, with this message. She was rolling it in her mind. She was saying, that can't be possible. That's not how it works. That's now how it happened for my mother. That's now it happened for my grandmama. That's now happened for my great, 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 great grandma. And any other woman ever in the world. And so Mary was disputing this. She was seeking how this message fit into her rationale. And Mary's entire world had been turned upside down because the message that God sent her made no sense. It resulted in fears, doubts, and questions. And this inner turmoil all came to a head As she responded to the angel in Luke 1.34, how will this be since I am a virgin? How is this possible? This doesn't make sense. And so up until this moment, what we see is that Mary's view of the possible was based on what she could do in her power what she could do in her control, and what she could do in her understanding. In other words, Mary had never considered what was possible with God. But it all changed. Listen to the moment when it all changed. Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 35, and then we're going to skip over to verse 37. It says, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Verse 37, he affirms this truth by saying this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Listen to what he said to her. Mary, you have nothing to do with what God will do. All you can be is a recipient. That's the part you play. And before she could receive the child, Mary had to receive the word. Before Mary could conceive the child, she had to conceive according to the word. It had to become true and firm in her heart. The word overshadow here is a direct reference to the cloud by which God covered his people by day as they traveled through the wilderness after their exit from Egypt. This cloud shielded them from the view of the armies of Egypt as they crossed over the parted Red Sea and it protected them from the scorching sun and provided them relief from immense heat for the ensuing journey afterwards. This is also a reference to what uh, is referred to in the Old Testament as the glory cloud, which some people call the Shekinah glory. Simply put, this was a cloud that would descend upon the tabernacle when Moses would speak directly with God. And so upon hearing these words and hearing that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, Mary's recollection was awakened and she understood that the same God who did the impossible by delivering Israel from the hand of Pharaoh by his mighty hand and his covering was the same God who had chosen her to bring forth the Christ by a manner that Seemed impossible, but was in fact possible. Mary's conclusion provides a key to going from here to there, by teaching us what's necessary in the middle. Listen to Mary's words in Luke 1:38. Mary said, "Behold, I am the Lord's, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word." And the angel departed. From her. At that moment, Mary said, Let me set aside my reasoning. Let me set aside my ways. Let me set aside my thoughts. Let me set aside my limits for a limitless God. Let me do something that is irrational. It doesn't, it doesn't appeal to common sense, but it makes complete sense in the realm of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to rise to where God is calling you to, you've got to rise to the place where he's calling you from. It's a place of faith. We can only live according to faith. And so what do we learn from this mother about The impossible. The first thing that we learned from her is that impossibility is a disguise for great opportunity. I'm going to say that again. Impossibility is a disguise for great opportunity. I think we can all appreciate that because isn't it true that we've all been in a place in our lives where we said, that's impossible, and somehow it worked out? Let me tell you, let me correct that statement. It's not somehow it worked out. It's some who worked it out. Listen, God is that good. And so Mary could have missed a great opportunity with God had she fallen for the appearance of what seemed impossible. I know that there are many of us that feel that we would have quickly responded with a resounding yes, yes. I wouldn't do it, Mary did. I would say yes if you'd been in her shoes. But you see, that's easy for you and me to say. You know why? Because we know the whole story. We know how it works. See, but the truth is that we all have to cross the great divide that exists between what seems impossible and the opportunities that lie on the other side. And to do it, we have to see the opportunity according to the word we have from God. I feel the need to say this. If you find yourself feeling stuck in life, ask yourself this question. Have you ever considered God's word? Listen, when you know God, you'll know the direction to go to. But when you don't look to God, when your answer to God is no, there is no direction. It's like we're walking around in circles. So let me ask you another question. What's your response to what God has called us to do here at Church at the Bridge? Because we believe that we're called to change this region. We believe that we're called to turn the landscape upside down on who people think God is and what the church is about. We believe that we're not, we're not only called to bring solutions. We believe that we are the solution with Christ at the center. We believe that we're called to provide programming that will bring us up close and personal with people to equip them with skills and open doors of opportunity for them to walk through. We believe that we're called to be partners with God by living sacrificially with our finances, with our time, with our talents, and with the entirety of our lives. So when you hear this... Do you see an impossibility or do you see opportunity? Do you see an impossibility or do you believe in the opportunity? Are you afraid or are you affirmed when you hear this? Are you looking to God with excitement or are you looking to your pocket and your calendar with fear? Are you withdrawing to your holy huddle or are you stepping out with us to do what God has called us to do? Listen, I, I can't be no more real than this. It's by faith and faith only. <laughs> it's like Peter and the disciples in Matthew 14 when they were in a boat and they saw Jesus walking on water. The scripture says that they were all afraid at the sight because they assumed that Jesus was a ghost. But to discover that it was truly Jesus Somebody had to dare to go and to do what Jesus was doing. Listen, will you dare to do what Jesus did or will you just talk about what Jesus did? I mean, let's, 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 let's get to where the rubber meets the road, right? Jesus said, now, now here's the thing, Peter, the Bible says, he said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, Command me to come to you on the water. You know, it's one thing that Peter understood. I can do what Jesus can do. But in order to do it, I need a word. I need to know that he's calling me out. And so the Bible says that when he said that to Jesus, that Jesus simply said, come. And that at the word of Jesus, Peter began to walk on water. And I know some of you, you know, you Bible scholars, right? Bible veterans, some of you are saying, yeah, but Peter sank. And to you, I say, the only reason Peter sank was for the same reason that some of us will sink. Let me tell you why. Because he shifted his belief from the word that Jesus gave him to the impossibility that the wind and waves presented, which was a lie. See, the same thing that took place with Peter and Mary has to be the means by which we seize our opportunity. Peter needed a word and Mary needed a word, and when they had it, it was conceived in them before they could ever do it. Which teaches us that as long as we see according to the impossibility, we'll miss our opportunity with God. I'm going to say that again. As long as we see, as we believe, according to the impossibility... We'll miss our opportunity with God. Can I just encourage your heart and just say this to you plainly? Don't miss the opportunities that God places before you every day. And for those of you that call church at the bridge your home or you're considering it, don't miss your opportunity by what God is trying to do with us, through us. It's amazing. It really is amazing. The next point that I want to leave you with here today is that if you're going to focus on what's impossible... Focus on what's really impossible. I'm going to say that again. If you're going to focus on what's impossible, please, please, please focus on what's really impossible. Listen, Mary had a choice to make between two impossibilities. She had to choose between uh, what was impossible for men and what was impossible for God. She had to choose between the impossibility of having a child without a man and a woman working together and the impossibility that God would fail if she, believed, if, if she believed what he declared. And so because I know that there are some of us that this is the way we think, this is the way that we believe, and there's no condemnation in that, really. I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down, but I want you to really look at your heart because for some of us, we're still focusing on what we think is impossible, You know, if I had stopped thinking at at what's impossible, we we wouldn't have this building. We wouldn't be here today. If I stopped thinking at what's impossible, I would have never been married and had the great family that I have. If I had stopped at thinking what's impossible, I wouldn't be where I am today, doing what God has called me to do today. If I had stopped at the place of impossible, I would never have made progress, neither would you. So why stop at this place of impossible? Don't focus on what's impossible. Focus on what's really impossible. So let me show you what the word says is impossible. Numbers 23:19 says this: "God is not a man." that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. In other words, that he should turn away from what he's declared. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Therefore, we will only believe what God has told us and nothing else. It is impossible for God to fail at what he's declared. In John fifteen nineteen, Jesus tells us that we are not of this world. Therefore, we will not trust in the ways of this world, but we will trust in God and act according to the ways of his kingdom. The steps we've taken don't make sense. We did something recently uh, for the chaplaincy unit uh, for the police department of the city of Newburgh, which I'm proud to announce I'm a part of. I'm really thankful for that. Um, And so we did did a, a dinner here uh, a reception and, you know, we got together and the police department was here and uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And and it was interesting. There was a, a, one of the chaplains that was here, a few of them actually, they, they walked in here and it was like you would think, I don't know what they, they were just like, oh, oh my God. Oh, this building is beautiful. And oh man, the way God is using you guys is amazing. And, and one of the chaplains says, nobody out, nobody out here is doing it the way you guys do it. And and I was humbled by that. But let me tell you also that I felt a sense of pride in you. Because we're daring to do things that no one else will do. You know, you know what people said? Because we started getting calls already about this truck. And, and they're like, you're doing what? A church? Listen, when you do what nobody else dares to do, you'll find God working there. You'll find God working there. So listen, 2 Timothy 1.7, if we're going to focus on what's impossible, let's learn from this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, we will not be afraid. We will not operate outside of power because we have power. We will do it with love in our hearts for others and with clarity of mind upon the vision that God has given us. And Deuteronomy 31.6 says this, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we will proceed with strength and courage because we have all we need because all we have is God and a people who will move with God and trust what he's called us to. So if you're going to focus on the impossible, focus on what God says is impossible. Really. I like a quote that I heard from Muhammad Ali. It says this. It says, impossible is just a big word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. Impossible is not a fact. Impossible is an opinion. Impossible is not a declaration. Impossible is a dare. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Ooh. The last point that I want to leave you with here today is that the impossible becomes possible when you get out of the way. When we make the choice to get out of the way, impossible really becomes possible. You know, when Mary was confronted with God's call and accepted what God had in store for her, she stated in Luke 138 as we read before, Behold the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word according to your word according to the original language the word servant here means bond slave a bond slave is not just any slave a bond slave is one who was not compelled by force by force This is someone who willingly out of their love for their master said even if you try to get rid of me as a slave... I am tied to you and I am devoted to you and so I will go wherever you go. I will do whatever you instruct me to do. I will stay and be faithful. Why? Because my love for you overrides my fears. My love for you overrides my reason. My love for you overrides my doubts. My love for you leads me to trust in you and you only. Mary had been living life while looking forward to her dream, but when God introduced his dream to her, yes, initially she had questions, but there comes the point where she knows it's God, and at that point, we don't find her protesting. We don't find her reasoning with God or justifying her own desires, her own dreams. Instead, we see her clearing the path of her life so that she could follow the path to a greater life. Listen, the impossible becomes possible when you and I get out of the way so that we can make a way for God's word. Amen. Yes, I've said this here before and I will say this again. There are too many believers who don't let the word of God get in the way of what they believe. Good. Everyone believes. We all believe in something. In someone, in somehow. But listen, it isn't until what God has declared, it isn't until we allow His Word and His direction and His vision to get in the way of what we believe, it's not until then that we don't discover the path that God has for us. Can I say this to you as we stand and come to a close today? I say this with love but also with warning. Get out of God's way. Get out of God's way and what he's calling you to. Get out of God's way and what he's calling us to here at Church at the Bridge. Get out of God's way by what you think is impossible and believe only what's possible with God. Believe only what's possible with God. Ladies and gentlemen, I dare you A triple dog dare you. (laughs) An infinity dog dare you. That's when you know it's getting serious. I dare you to believe that what God says is possible. It's possible for you. It's possible for us. Let's press towards what's possible If you. Amen.